It's Wednesday, January 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris L. Joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Pro Canada, Motley Fool Options, and probably 17 other services, Jim Gillies, <laughs> and from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Wednesday, gentlemen. Good day. Thank you. Uh, we got, we got some earnings to get to. We're, a little bit. We're also going to dip into the full mailbag, but let's start with the big fruit company. Shares of Apple falling more than 5% this morning because all they did in the first quarter was sell 74.7 million iPhones. And I chuckle, Bill Barker, but this is only slightly higher than a year ago, and it is the slowest sales growth that they've experienced since they first introduced the iPhone. Uh, yeah, a lot of phones and a lot of money, and they've already got a lot of money in the bank, which we'll get to in a moment. And the problem for the stock today is the guidance is next quarter is going to be an actual decline in earnings, mm-hmm. which is the first time that's happened since I think 2003. I think. Yeah, that yeah. sounds more likely. I like Jim's yeah. number. Okay. I yeah. think it's more consistent. But with I think reality. it's it was it was during the credit crisis. They, yeah, they had a bit of a drop. So. Uh, anyway, that's that's the driving driving the headlines today. And if you don't know anything about where the stock is or where it's been, and you hear that they're bringing down guidance, um, then the stock goes down, and that's what's happening today. And the question is: Is it down to a point uh, at now that makes sense, or or not? And one way to look at it is to take that. All that cash in the bank, which is now thirty-nine bucks per share, two hundred and fifteen billion dollars. Yeah, I was reading something like they have enough money to buy all the teams in the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and then there's money left over after that, right? <laughs> to buy world tennis, I probably couldn't afford yeah. that, right? <laughs> <laughs> or the you know the the lacrosse league or or something like that. A lot of cash, thirty-nine bucks a share uh, of the ninety-five dollars a share that you're paying uh, is comes in cash, and is the rest of the business worth fifty-six bucks? Uh, you know they're going to earn, which is what six six times earnings if you once you back out the cash. Yeah, so. about six times earnings. Uh, so when when you're looking at is Apple, is the market overvalued? Is the market um, crazy for for certain things, hot stocks. What obviously Apple hasn't been a hot stock for uh, going on a year. Um, one way to look at it is is to take Apple and say, well, that that doesn't seem like some sort of crazy overvaluation uh, mm-hmm. for for six dollars a share of a company with with this kind of earnings power. And it's likely that they're going to raise their dividend. They give it what two percent yield or something. It's likely some of that cash will come back as a as a dividend. Yeah, increase buyback shares, buy but back more I mean, shares. where they'll they'll do. I think something intelligent with the cash, um, not just stay on it, not go out and buying a, a wild spending spree. Although the last acquisition beats, I don't really know if that's panned out the way one might hope. Um, I always wanted them to buy Disney, but that's way off the radar. What would they do with Disney? Content, content for all their devices. Yeah, it was a wild and crazy. You know, we had a thing, a contest, wild and crazy acquisitions. I'm like, Apple should buy Disney. They can pay cash with a healthy premium. It's almost as good as eBay buying Skype. <laughs> almost. <laughs> or hey, they made money when they sold Skype. Or so. Microsoft buying Nokia. No, Microsoft buying Skype from eBay for three times the cost a year and a half later. Um, can I just, uh, for whatever else happens on this episode of Market Foolery, can I just share this headline from Bloomberg, which says Apple falls after forecast for first sales drop 
since 2003. Oh. So I appreciate you, you, the way to bet when it's me versus Gillies on anything with financial information. The way to, you bet correctly. That's the way to bet. <laughs> bet on Gillies. But in this case, uh, you would have lost money. I'm going to let Jim start searching for <laughs> the thing I, that he I, will accept, upon. I will accept my comeuppance. It's okay. Um, you think it's time to buy this stock, which has dropped 20% over the past year? Do we give guidance? Like, do you give like buys and sells here? Uh, that's, I, I think that is one of the questions looking at this company right now, because it does seem like, despite the reaction that we're seeing today, despite the fact that they've given this guidance, that iPhone sales barely beat what they did a year ago. As, as you indicated, this is a huge company that just makes mountains mm-hmm. of cash. And it seems like it is being priced right now for virtually no expectations whatsoever. I, I think it is a very fair price for a company with the kind of potential that is still there. Now, realize that when something like this happens, where a technology that everybody loves uh, comes and, and hits a peak, there are sometimes enormous problems, uh, BlackBerry being the first thing that, that would come to mind. And you can price that in. I think that is priced in that Apple, uh, which has had a next act, which has been even more impressive than its last act for going on a decade here up until the Apple Watch. Um, mm. Now, what what can it do next to, to replace the, the things? Because you know the iPod, uh, if that's all this company had been, or the iMac, if that's all it had been, uh, it, it has become sort of iPhone and, and a few other things that have gone the trajectory traditionally that hot technologies go. Um, and if it now becomes the victim of that typical cycle, then yeah, it, it's got problems out of it. But in the meantime, it's put together a lot of cash. It's got a lot of great employees, and it's got a lot of you know ideas about going into cars. And I, I think it's a very very fair fight. Yeah, I think I would just say for anyone who's looking to buy Apple, it is at a great valuation right now. But what are your expectations? If you are looking at the history, and as Bill calls it, the second act, you know, the return of Steve Jobs, the the rise of all of the iPods. I wasn't predicting the return of Steve Jobs. Well, no, 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 no the previous. I wasn't return. listening to myself that closely. Did I say that? <laughs> no. Was no, I? This the second act. No, if, if if you are looking at Apple's history from say the return of Jobs to maybe five years ago, or even up to today. I mean, the the past will not be, the past is not prologue. You will not get this again. It's a 500 plus billion dollar company that has its technology being assaulted on all sides. But if you're looking at it as a yield play and maybe over a multi-year period, because you're buying it at such a cheap valuation, you are getting you know, some capital appreciation from the combination of this, their regular business, buying back shares, introduce a share count, and maybe they come up with the next big thing. It's not the iWatch, um, you know. But maybe their foray into the automotive market, which has been long rumored. Maybe into the television market, which has been long rumored. You know, it might not be. You might you might wake up a, you know, a decade from now and realize, you know, between dividends and capital appreciation, I've got ten percent a year, which is not bad. Yesterday we talked about the Dow Jones Industrial Average being pushed up by the results from 3M and Johnson and Johnson, and today the Dow is being dragged down by Boeing 
which is having an historically bad day, shares down as much as 10%. And Jim, the fourth quarter results almost don't matter in this case. It's the guidance for 2016 that is so much lower than analysts were expecting. That's exactly right. The telemetry is off with Boeing. They have basically said, we're going to deliver fewer planes. We're going to uh, just make it harder on ourselves. And I think the, the this was something of a surprise because, at least with Apple, there was a lot of talk from some vendors and what have you who were who are suppliers to Apple that they had slowed down. And so the fact that Apple's calling for a slowdown in the coming quarters might not have been that big of a surprise. With Boeing, everyone was saying, "Oh, well, you know, the world airline markets are going gangbusters. It's great, and you know, with thirty dollars oil now, it's going to be great for the airlines to, you know, to buy even more planes because you know their cost of fuel is going down." And then Boeing kind of comes out and you know throws cold water on everyone's excitement. And so, you know, yeah, it's down. What I think it was, it was almost down ten percent at one mm-hmm. point this morning. You know, and and really, you kind of look at it and go, "Well, okay, yeah." I'm I'm less excited about Boeing than I am about Apple, which is kind of and and I think Apple's they're both in the Dow now. And of course, the other part about the Dow issue is, you know, it's a price weighted index, so Boeing at 120 plus has a bigger has a more pronounced effect on the index move. But yeah, Bill, a couple of weeks ago when we got the results of automotive sales for 2015, there were some people saying, well, we've if we're not at peak auto, we're pretty close, and it seems like. This might be some indication that we're at peak airplane. <laughs> Talking a lot of peaks right now. Uh, yes, and I, I think it has been a very good last few years for Boeing, and that people need to realize that it's a little bit more of a cyclical than uh, you know just a compounder of wealth, and that uh, there are times when this this thing needs to. Uh, take a breath when the industry uh, slows down, and given that that there, it's it's doubled its market cap in the last uh, four or five years. Most of that coming in 2013, and uh, it it's still sort of catching up with with where the stock went because in 2013 the stock was up 83 percent, and business didn't grow 83 percent in that year. Uh, it it grew somewhat nicely, and and things have continued to go forward. But uh, it it's not something that is typically, other than the late '90s, going to price itself outside of a for sort of a teens multiple, and that's where it is today. And you know, so again, I think it's an indication of a big large company which has just I, I think it beat the earnings expectations here, right? Uh, I think for the, it, for the quarter, it's, it's the forecast. It's lowered the that, forecast, yeah. much like Apple, and that is, of course, a a highly uh, likely scenario for companies. Which, which, by the time you get to the quarter in question, uh, the numbers are at a point where companies typically beat them. That's going on again this quarter. Uh, by the way, earnings are on pace right now. To how 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 are earnings doing? Do you think? Broadly across the market. Broadly across the market. So far, they've been better than expected. Yeah, the quarter, the quarterly results themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and what's the expectation? They're going to be at an all-time high for a fourth quarter, both on an operating and on a gap basis. If if they continue as they always do to um, come in at or slightly above mm-hmm. expectations by this point, um, so not probably what everybody thinks is going on right now, but not so bad now. 
against that, you have 2016 expectations, which are, as they always are, way too optimistic. (laughs) And if you look at the aggregate expectation as published in S&P or, you know, whatever your data source provider of choice is out there, uh, 2016 earnings are expected to come in something like 15% above 2015, which won't happen. And this is the first chapter in that story: is that that AT, uh, you know, Apple and Boeing are coming out and saying, "Yeah, we do, we we beat what you thought we would do right now." Looking a little bit uh, ahead, uh, let's let's take it a little easier than than what you were thinking. You can follow us on Twitter at MarketFoolery is our Twitter handle. Question coming to us on Twitter from Scott Bates in Peterborough, Ontario. Yay! <laughs> hey, Chris, I'd love to hear about ETF currency hedging. Which on, part were you yang there? On market Peterborough. It's close enough to, well, that's actually a couple hours. Because away. other than Scott, I don't know if anyone is saying yay to ETF currency hedging. But you know what? Let's go with Maybe. That. Maybe they are. Oh. Jim, walk me through this. You're going to get me up on a hobby horse. So basically, it's, uh, it's uh, a tracking, if I understand the question correctly, it's tracking a non Canadian index, but transferred over into Canadian dollars. So, for example, um, I had occasion recently to look at the investment results of a of a private fund, which was uh, tracking the S and P five hundred, and this fund had managed to lose money, but they were benchmarking against the S and P five hundred, and I think it was a February to February year or what have you, um, and so the fund was the, the benchmark was the S and P had gone up. I'm 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 kind of making up numbers, but they're close enough. The S and P over that period had gone up nine percent, for example. And so they were comparing themselves against nine percent and saying, oh, you know, well we we yeah, we lost money, but you know, look, we we thought that was bad. And I'm like, well but you're a Canadian fund, you're measuring everything in Canadian dollars, and you are measuring against uh, a US index at a period when the US dollar vastly outperformed the Canadian dollar. So if you actually transferred the U.S. performance in the Canadian dollars, the S&P actually went up 28% rather than 9 It was a very bad year for the Canadian dollar. And so, you know, that's that's your that's your bogey for underperformance. It's not 9 plus percent. It's, you know, bloody near 30%. So, you know, there are, there are a host of Canadians who have embraced the idea of index funds, which is great. I mean, low-cost index funds, dollar-cost average over the long term, it's great for, for We're small. Fans. We, are, we are big fans. But you know they do have the the currency issue. If you're continually buying uh, S and P index funds or or any other Nasdaq fund, for example, and so these ETFs have sprung up that try to deliver you the performance, stripping out the impact of whatever the Canadian dollar does versus the U.S. dollar. But the problem is, anytime you try to do that kind of uh, track or that that kind of um, you know uh, financial engineering, if you will. Um, you are going to have some tracking error. You're going to miss. You're going. You're not going to perfectly time the uh, the changes. You're going to overshoot sometimes. You're going to undershoot sometimes. So maybe don't even try. Honestly, that's I don't, <laughs> don't even bother. Don't even bother. Just uh, especially if if you are the type who is going to engage in passive investing, which is the dollar cost averaging in index funds. Just do that and go on your merry way. Just don't even bother. All right, let's move on to AT&T uh, fourth quarter results. Little light on revenue. Profits came in about as expected. They're adding subscribers and in a shock to absolutely no one who watches this stock closely, the stock really isn't moving all that much and what is it with this company? This is a huge company, a market cap of 216 billion dollars. 
Apple could buy them. <laughs> when they're done buying Disney, done. maybe they'll. No, it's this massive company with a stock that over the last few years has been just absolutely stuck in the mid 30s. Why, why can't they translate their the size of their company and all of their capital that they can put to use into a meaningful stock performance? One one reason that they as you say, can't do that, is is they've chosen not to. That is, they're actually paying a pretty nice dividend, 5.5% yield. They're um, raising it by a, a penny a quarter every year, so $0.48, cents, I think, a quarter right now. It's going to be $0.49, cents pre- presumably, next year. Uh, you know, you're getting $2 a share from the company. It's traditionally, back in the day, AT&T would have been considered a utility, and that's where you're getting your money from is from those great uh, dividends in utilities. And all right, it's trading at thirty-five bucks a share. It's paying out two dollars a share in cash, um, nearly. That that's that's closing in on a on a six percent yield uh, at least in the future if it keeps moving up. That's not too bad. I don't. I think that. I look at this company, and the total return over the last ten years is seven and a half percent annually, which is beating the market six and six and a third percent. So you know it's doing some things right, and it's expressing that uh, return to shareholders not in an ever increasing share price, but in putting money back in your pockets. Now that's not as tax efficient a way of improving shareholder returns as buying back shares is. Uh, but they've got a lot of people who want to see those those dividends, and that's mm-hmm. why they're invested in the stock. So it's not the the share price movement is a story, but it's not all the story. Part of the story is, as we discussed last week when we talked about Verizon and T-Mobile CEO John Laguerre trolling Verizon with the Verizon conference, earnings conference call drinking game. He did not disappoint. He came out with an AT and T earnings conference call drinking game, which among other things. <laughs> Calls for anyone listening to take one drink for every ten times AT and T executives make a reference to the Internet of Things. John Laguerre's having fun. He is having fun. I think he went a little overboard on this one because it's gotten a little less targeted. For instance, there are you know two drinks if AT and T nervously makes a Mexico slash Donald Trump joke, <laughs> right? We like. Like oh, three drinks if you know unnecessarily sibilance uh, interrupts the call. You know uh, they've got, they've got finish your drink if if the uh, AT admits its logo is really the Death Star, which is a good joke. <laughs> That's but not it, bad. I don't think that you're going to end up drinking that much here, and so I think that the game was a little better for Verizon, where I think that the the drinks that you actually might have to take. Uh, really would have made it more of a drinking game. This is just more of a silly, you're, so uh, you're silly saying, fun, fun, good silly attack. So you're saying after the AT and T call, you might be mildly buzzed. After Verizon, you'd be blitzed. Well, I, I'd like if, <laughs> if somebody you, if you follow out the there, games. and I'm sure you'll throw a prize somebody's way if they do this. Uh, <laughs> tallies up, and you can get the the transcript out there. I'm not suggesting that anybody actually play this game. No, certainly since we know a lot of our listeners listen to this podcast while they're commuting. So we're not advocating drinking and driving. We've never done that. No. No, I've never done that. 
Uh, but but uh, hopefully you have any. I, I can't say, haven't been on all the shows, but I assume you're right. But if somebody out there gets the transcript and figures out how many drinks you actually would have to uh, take for each of these, given the rules, and they're all out there on the internet, then you, what, what kind of prize would you throw somebody for well, we'll providing figure, that information? We'll figure out some sort of full swag prize if someone wants to do that. Absolutely. Sort of like a hat, a t-shirt? Yeah, something. Yeah. Bottle of vodka. Bottle of vodka. You can't send bottle of vodka. <laughs> oh, you can't. You don't have a license you, to do that. You can't. <laughs> Although uh, people send you vodka or like things, uh, alcohol. Uh, they aren't sent through the mail. They're uh, sometimes when people visit. They they've never sent you something in the mail. Uh, yeah, they have. Not alcohol. <laughs> uh, coffee. I can remember getting sure. some coffee. Speaking of vodka, not brewed. I mean, it was coffee beans. Right. Yeah. Because brewed sending coffee. Sending brewed coffee would be. Unnecessary. I don't even know why you would attempt to do that. Uh, it's crazy. Bill Barker flagging this story. Uh, we talked peak auto, peak airplanes. Apparently, here in America, we're at peak vodka. Uh, a story about how Smirnoff and uh, Pernod Ricard, uh, SA, which is the producer of Absolute, have had one fifth of the vodka market in the US for several years now, and they are not able to grow that. For a number of reasons, one of which is millennials not big fans of, of apparently these brands of vodka, more into the craft, uh, and also the rise of whiskey, which, uh, yes, slow clap, slow clap. <laughs> Jim Gilley's giving a little golf clap too. Um, I, I, I'm not a Diageo shareholder, but I, this this would worry me a little bit. And this is we we've seen this certainly in the beer market in the U.S. where. Boston Beer Company, Samuel Adams is sort of stuck in between hyper-local craft beers and the big mass producers like Bud and Miller and that sort of thing. No, not a fan? You're a beer uh, fan, though. I'm a beer fan, but uh, yeah, I, do we call Bud beer? I, I'm not sure it's beer. Sure, they sell a lot of that stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the craft. You I'm say part Bud, of the you've problem. said it all. Yeah, I, I'm a beer snob, I'll give you that. Yeah? Should I? Uh, you, but you grew up on some less than snobby beers. I'm, I'm going to uh, imagine with the Molson Canadians and Labatt's Blues. You know, those are considered uh, somewhat uh, premium beers here if, in the if, U.S. If I think you, anything that's not from the U.S. Yeah. gets a little bit of a. If you ever Molson's, need to wash that's, that's up, that's pretty exotic. If you ever need to degrease Ooh, some engine parts, what about Moosehead? Moose. <laughs> Wait a minute. If you ever need to what? Degree? If you ever need to degrease some engine parts? You know, Molson Canadians, your Huckleberry. Have you actually done that? <laughs> It'll work well. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of drinking games. Wait, wait, were you just chortling at Moosehead? Is that not considered uh, up to snuff in Canada? Uh, I mean, it's it's fine. I like I like uh, I'm I have to admit I'm right into the big IPA revolution, so I, I like uh, you, I like my beers to have some taste. I got to say thick enough I to stand on. Hear about craft vodkas. You know, I think back to the old uh, SNL commercial about um, the no alcohol vodkas. Now you can enjoy the great taste of vodka <laughs> without getting drunk. That, well, that's just it. Like you know, craft beer. I think the craft beer movement arose out of the fact that people were tired of these. This is my pontificating. Tired of beers that didn't taste like anything. So you know, your Molsons and your Labatt's Blues and whatever. And so you got all these beers that you know have the, these big bolder tastes. I'd never really noticed vodka tasting like anything. So I know we're gonna get some email. About I know, this, but I mean, I'm but I'm, I'm there with you. You know, I'm, I'm never like God. I should really go for of, the taste of vodka right now. Showing my lack of couth. Whereas, as I mean, maybe it's an acquired taste. I, I think it is an acquired taste. That's just my hunch, and it's a taste I've not yet acquired. But I, I, I drink 
vodka in, in an appropriate drink, like a, a Bloody Mary or something, and enjoy it, but not. I, I don't feel like, wow, I'm really tasting the vodka in that. Tonight, Which I'm suppose... going to have a nice vodka. Like, eh. yeah. Last week, Bill, you invited our listeners to weigh in with, uh, when we talked about the Verizon earnings call drinking game, you said, oh, send us some emails on Motley Fool Podcast drinking games. And, and Dan Boyd, just right off the bat, had like a, a complete set of rules <laughs> Dan on had the some tip good of his he, walked in, he just marched in the studio and said, let me tell you, here, here's what a few of them are, but let me weigh in from some of our listeners from Bud Turner in Palmdale, California. Take a shot every time someone uses the phrase firing on all cylinders. And if Ron Gross... I'm Ron Gross. If that's Ron, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, they're really specific phrases to specific yeah. guests. Right? Uh, from Ben Steubens in the UK, he sent a bunch of them, including uh, take a drink when you hear the phrase earnings palooza rolls on. That's, that's on me. Uh, take a drink when Bill Barker uh, picks up Chris on a pedantic misuse of the English language within the first two minutes of any show. Take a drink anytime there there is digression to end up talking about any kind of fast food or coffee. I would also include alcohol in that as well. Uh, and finally, from Shane Silverberg in Waterloo, Ontario, download the Thanksgiving episode of the Motley Fool Money Radio Show. Have good friends with you as you don't want to drink alone. Have your favorite drinks at the ready. Short straw goes first, and the person to the right goes next, and so forth. Take a drink following every turkey gobble sound effect. Good luck. P.S. Good luck to Mr. Gillies getting safely to D.C. P.P.S. We drive poorly in Canada, too, when it snows. But I was in Dallas years ago when it snowed. That was ridiculous. People lost their minds. Yeah. They're not dealing well with snow down in Dallas. They don't get snow down in Dallas. No, they shouldn't be asked. I don't think they should be asked to deal well with snow. Yeah. That's a, that's a waste of their time. That's expecting too much. Uh, finally, again, marketfoolerytfool.com is our email address. Teeing off something else uh, you and I mentioned last week, Bill, when we posed the rhetor- seemingly rhetorical question, who doesn't love Jim Gillies? Email we from, now have a name. <laughs> email from Jonathan Smith. I may be one who doesn't love Jim Gillies, but I would offer him unconditional positive regard. That's nice. That's nice. I like it. You're saying you're getting an email from my ex-wife or something like that. I think where he's going with that, he doesn't love you yet. Yet. Ah, but challenge accepted. But he's he's open to the idea of developing some some bro love. Exactly. Uh, And apropos of nothing we've discussed to this uh, point, rest in peace, Abe Vigoda. The late great Abe Vigoda. For anyone who has seen The Godfather, and if you haven't, you need to see The Godfather. But Tessio. I mean, and Barney Miller and, and Barney, Barney Miller. Barney Miller, I think much more of with Abe Vigoda. Uh, yes. Now, most like this generation is, I think, never going to get to know Barney Miller. No. Uh, and they all should get to know The Godfather. But I don't think of him as one of the especially memorable parts of that. Whereas Barney Miller, I mean, what would the show be without him? He was great in both. He was absolutely great in both. But uh, and then in in the spinoff, there right? was a spinoff, Fish. 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 He played uh, Detective Fish. Rest in peace, Abe. Jim Gillies, get back safely. I'm heading back tonight. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolie. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.